Welcome to the inaugural Inside Humanity Medicine podcast for 2024. I'm your host, Dr. Henri Ford, Dean and Chief Academic Officer at the University of Miami Middle School of Medicine. Today, I'm delighted to welcome to the studio the great Dr. Yanis Hazizisis, who happens to be an internationally renowned interventional cardiologist. Uh, he is the chief of the Division of Cardiovascular Medicine and also professor of medicine at the Middle School of Medicine in UHealth, our health system. Along with his many clinical and research accomplishments that address some of the most complex and challenging cardiovascular problems, Dr. Hasisisis is an award-winning educator and a respected leader in computational simulations, virtual reality, and artificial intelligence, which will be the focus of our discussion today. But before we start, before we delve into these fascinating topics and innovations that you are known for, tell us a little bit about your journey. Um, I guess growing up in, in northern Greece, you know, it's a long time known as Tesorankine, yeah. and to becoming the legendary uh, interventional cardiologist that you are today. Thank you for the invitation and the good words. And uh, uh, indeed, I grew up uh, in, uh, in northern Greece. Um, Thessaloniki is my hometown. It's the second biggest city in Greece, it's like around 2 million population. In uh, an environment uh, which uh, has been uh, a, a quite interesting culturally, uh, located Greece in, at the corner of three continents, Asia, Europe, and Africa. Uh, the city itself, um, a cultural mixture between Middle East and um, European um, uh, aspects. And uh, in that environment, I, I, I grew up, I went uh, to, 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 to school, I did attend my medical school there. Um, and uh, I think I had a, a very, a very interesting uh, uh, upgrowing there. I understand that um, at some point uh, during middle school, you fell in love with the yep. concept of medicine and, and helping patients. So tell us about what triggered or ignited that yeah. that, that interest or passion. Yeah, uh, first of all, I was always, uh, you know, through my parents and through the, the whole environment culturally in, in Thessaloniki, uh, I, I grew up in a very competitive academically environment. I uh, I got familiar very, very early in my uh, school years with studying, studying hard mm -hmm. uh, to, to expand my knowledge. Uh, very, uh, I built a very strong, very robust background in, um, in mathematics, hardcore mathematics, combined with philosophy and uh, literature uh, study. Renaissance. Absolutely. It's the, you know, it's the, 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 the mother of uh, philosophy is Greece. So in this combination of mathematics and philosophy, I think uh, uh, determine essentially uh, the, the following steps in my life, including what we're doing uh, today. And we can expand more on this later on. Um, but um, in that context, um, I was, uh, you know, early in my middle school, uh, late uh, 80s, early 90s. And at that point, there was a growth of uh, cardiac transplantation. Uh, Christian Barnard, the famous uh, uh, South African um, uh, transplant surgeon, cardiac transplant surgeon, he did his, uh, his first human-to-human uh, -human cardiac transplantation uh, late um, 60s. And then uh, by the time of li like la late 80s or 90s, this whole field of cardiac transplantation was, was flourishing and growing. And I remember him giving an interview, you know, I saw him on the, the TV, 
and talking you know very gloriously about you know the, the perspective of of saving lives with cardiac transplantation and i got so so much touched by this and in that context of being very competitive as uh, as a personality, like studying, like mathematics, like philosophy, and now seeing, you know, what opportunity you have by becoming a doctor uh, to save lives, to give smile to, to, to human faces. At that point, I, I decided, that, you know, I have to, 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 to become a doctor. I didn't decide about the specialty at that moment, but I, I felt this, uh, this humanitarian aspect of being able to do something that can change um, uh, the the life of people can help people live better and longer in life. And then throughout the rest of the years, I was just building all my um, my CV, if you want, all my uh, mentality, all my soul and mind was around of becoming a doctor at some point. Truly fascinating that watching just one interview yeah. essentially was transformative. It changed yeah. your life yeah. and yeah. Uh, prompted you to follow yeah. your path into medicine. Uh, but but. Why cardiology? I understand he was a, well. He was a cardi was a cardiac surgeon. Correct. Yeah, so that, 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 that's true. Then I entered the you know the medical school and actually was among the the top ten uh, in the in the ranks. Uh, you know of those who succeeded to get to medical school in Greece in the Saloniki, and then throughout the you know the medical school, the six year course, um, I started like looking for the specialty that I would like to 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 follow. I was in between cardiac surgery, cardiology, orthopedics. I w went to to do you know to some uh, OR uh, cases uh, you know orthopedic cases. I didn't felt like that much intrigued. I did see bypass surgeries. I didn't feel that so. But cardiology was essentially at that point very intriguing for me because it was a mixture of uh, the sophisticated sophistication of internal medicine with the hands-on of uh, surgery. And at that point, cardiology was a a subspecialty in which there was lots of uh, uh, drug research and device research. So all those th th three things, the research component, the hands-on of the, the surgery, plus the sophistication of telemedicine, uh, made me believe that cardiology is going to be a very, very, very nice field for me. And I, I never regretted this. It's, can you tell us any challenges that you had to overcome, some barriers you encountered, and, and how those helped shape your decision and yeah. your approach uh, to become yeah. the person you're at? Uh, I have to tell you that um, my family, actually I was the first doctor in our family. My family was very educated, but nobody f f had been a doctor until then. Uh, I, I only remember full support from my family. I, I cannot recollect any challenge. They were extremely supportive of my, my passion, because passion is what drives at the end of the day uh, our, um, you know, our future and uh, our faith and uh, they were so 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 supportive of my decision to become a doctor and as long as i made this decision they have been extremely supportive uh, up until today fantastic so um i i know since i've been actually i was actively involved in the process we were, we were thrilled uh, to welcome you uh, to the middle school and you health family um over the past year about 15 months or so um Tell us, why did you decide to make the move and come you know, be part of this great place? First of all, let me thank you uh, publicly for uh, bringing me here, and you have been a, a major component of this um, of this move uh, for me uh, here. And I believe that um, um, it was a very conscious decision of me and my family to come here. Um, 
and for many reasons. Uh, I, as I told you, I believe that passion and excitement are the key words in whatever I do in my life. And I feel that this place, uh, this city, this region, this area is full of passion and excitement. I love the idea of this uh, diversity in population. Um, uh, I, I, I love the idea of this uh, very broad healthcare system, uh, very executive leadership uh, model uh, across the healthcare system and the medical school, talented staff and, and faculty around, institutes and centers, and uh, of course the academic brand, the academic ecosystem of the University of Miami. So all those uh, things uh, made me believe that this is the right move for me. This is the moment for me to come here and then blend my passion and energy and 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 uh, and perspective and know-how with the excitement and passion of this area. And we are thrilled to have Thank you sit down and innovative brilliance here. As I noted earlier, uh, your leadership in the dynamic landscape of artificial intelligence, machine learning, extended reality, and other cutting-edge technologies has been quite impressive. When and how did you become involved uh, in this particular some specialty, so to speak? Yeah, the digital, the, the computational technologies, the 21st computational technologies and, and digital health. That's a very, very interesting uh, question. Um, I, I believe it's all about two things, connecting the dots and timing. Mm -hmm. Those two factors, I think, play an important role in what we do in our lives in general. So connecting the dots, what happened is that um, after uh, I finished my medical school mm -hmm. in my early years of my residency, I, I got involved with, uh, through a mentor with research in computational fluid dynamics. Mm -hmm. um, at that point, there was no AI, there was nothing of those, all this revolution that we encounter today. Then, um, when I came to Boston at the Brigham and Women's for my postdoctoral fellowship, I took this computational fluid dynamics experience and translated this to, to deep molecular vascular biology of atherosclerosis. So right now I have a component of vascular biology and at the same time computational uh, fluid dynamics. Uh, then I get my training in interventional cardiology. I become an interventional cardiologist uh, following my passion to have hands-on experience from surgery plus the sophistication of medicine. And um, then I realized through my profession, through my daily practice, that there's a gap in care. We see patients with stents to come back with heart attacks, need for another stent, or some of those die. And I felt that we need to do something about this. We need to do a better job in in, in putting stents in, uh, in, uh, in uh, patients' arteries. And I felt that we need to have better planning for our procedures. And I thought that what's best way, more, the most cost and time effective way to plan those procedures. And then the computational component came, came to my mind at this point because all this computational experience, all this computational simulation can be used to guide us for better planning of procedures. So you see now all this experience from conditional fluid dynamics from the past comes into play to help me, to help us um, start putting algorithms and, 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 and approaches to deliver better care and better stands for our patients. So that's essentially the connecting the dots part. And then the timing is very important because we're lucky enough to live in an uh, era of uh, very strong computer power, AI and all came into play. And then all this uh, idea of using computational simulations to plan procedures 
through AI and computer power now can become more pace uh, specific and faster. And essentially, the AI helps us to implement all these computational simulations to, at the end of the day, help our patients to have better care for stents. So, connecting the dots, timing together, and here we are now. Well, you clearly have done a, a great job integrating all of these uh, great, great advances. Um, uh, in fact, you and your colleagues recently published um, a, a great paper in the journal, uh, American Journal of Cardiology, right? Uh, the, it was titled Artificial Intelligence, Computational Simulations, and Extended Reality in Cardiovascular Intervention. So tell us a little bit about uh, that framework. You know, what is it that you are trying to convey in this particular um, paper about the integration of the specialties yeah. Yeah. and these innovations? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, I put together a consortium of uh, authors from all around the world, from Japan, Asia, Europe, uh, to, um, to America. And what we did there is that we describe uh, how, as you said, AI, um, uh, computational simulations, and extended reality, those three pillars of what we call digital uh, medicine nowadays, the, how, how they can help us transform um, patient care. Uh, emphasis on cardiovascular. Um, a little bit of intro here, if I may. Uh, uh, the computation simulation is what essentially you create a digital twin, a, a, a very faithful replica of the patient's uh, heart or the patient's coronary arteries or whatever anatomy you study. And this becomes essentially the foundation to... Is that like an avatar? Is exactly, it? exactly. <laughs> but it's a very faithful anatomically and physiologically um, replica. We call this digital twin. We take essentially the heart and the heart arteries from the body into the computer in a very faithful way. And this essentially becomes the foundation to run simulation, run infinite scenarios uh, of, uh, you know, anatomy, changing the plaque severity, the plaque uh, configuration, the plaque materials, things that you cannot do in, uh, in, in, in reality. So as long as you have a very faithful digital twin, this becomes the foundation to run infinite scenarios and create new knowledge, which you can at any point go back and test in, um, in, in reality. Without getting too technical, how do you make a faithful, a faithful digital twin of the heart? And here now comes the AI, because the AI helps us make these digital twins, number one, faster, and then at the end, of it, equally importantly, uh, help us make them more patient-specific, patient-relevant. It's through the big data, essentially. By creating big data, you have AI to dig into this big data, and then uh, you get the right configuration, uh, the right recipe you want to make the simulations faster and make the simulations more patient-specific. And then it, when it comes to external reality, which is essentially um, is the umbrella that encompasses the virtual reality, yes. So, so you have this digital twin. So give us an example of how this breakthrough can help uh, yeah. influence an outcome. Yeah, yeah, I'll, be, I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, we, we had the, the, the opportunity uh, to, to, to do the first in the world all simulation guided left main uh, PCI, left main intervention. So, left so main artery. Le so left, left, those, main, left main coronary artery. Coronary artery, yes. The left main coronary artery is the main stem of, um, in the heart 
that supplies two-thirds of the heart with uh, blood and food and oxygen. So very critical. Is that the one that says can create widow? Exactly. So it's a very critical anatomically part of the heart arteries, uh, very vital part of the heart anatomy. And uh, we had two patients, two female patients, who happened to have um, significant uh, blockage a disease in the left main. And what we did is we created this digital twin with uh, imaging. We took their left main anatomy from their body into the computer in a very faithful way. The anatomy, the the, the walls, the, the material properties of the plaque, the stenosis were very, very faithful. And then we uh, entered this digital twin into our platform and allowed the simulation to run different scenarios of what would be the best therapy, the best stent position and stent size, diameter, length for this each particular individual. So you see it's very personalized, very individualized approach. Medicine. Exactly. And AI was essentially the toy here that helped the simulation platform to, to identify the best standing technique and standing approach for each individual. Then we took the patients back to the cath lab uh, days later and we delivered clinically the plan that was recommended, was um, planned by the simulation, by the digital approach to the dot. The same balloons, the same inflation atmospheres, the same stent technique, everything was uh, the same as predicted by the simulation. So all the pre-procedural steps. All the pre-procedural planning was executed Clinically, patients did very well. They are now like two years uh, later. They, they have a, a fine life. They some of you know they escape the bypass surgery, uh, which at the time could be like a uh, probably a, an option. And, uh, and before, what would have happened if before this kind of careful planning and and basically easy execution w- without you know, but by failing to prepare, you're preparing to fail. As I said, through. Through uh, my practice, we have realized, and now it's an, uh, a world epidemic, that stents tend to fail. Stents tend to fail up to sometimes 30%. 30% of the patients who get stents, especially in the critical left main, they come back with a new need for a new stent, with a heart attack, or some of them die. Why? We need to do a better job. And to do a better job, we need to plan. And to plan, the best way to plan is to use the digital technologies and use AI to 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 to, to accelerate this uh, this approach, so make it more specific. A fascinating application yeah. of the promises yep. of incorporating uh, AI yeah. machine learning right. in our practice. This is great planning. That planning, and well, I think you have to be smart enough to understand how to integrate all those various uh, right. technologies. Right. And you've done right. that in a masterful. Way and, and in fact, I, I want to segue to yet another important component, which is this concept of virtual clinical trial. Yeah. And again, using all the tools that you just talked about, right? Uh, so, can you tell us about that? The virtual clinical trials, the so called yeah, in silico clinical trial. Mm-hmm. Again, um, this comes also from another path. You know, that's how it works. That's, that's how uh, life progresses. Uh, that's how medicine progresses. You observe something. And then you go back to the basic principles, mathematics, uh, basic tools to find answers, biology, and then back to the clinical practice to apply the, the, the answers and change the field. So we realized that we live in a world of evidence-based medicine, uh, which is based on performing randomized clinical trials to provide evidence and apply this evidence to patient care. But we noticed that um, 
it's uh, these clinical trials, they have some limitations. Even though they help a lot, they also have limitations. Number of limitation, they are um, very expensive. Right. Um, uh, number two, they have difficulty to enroll patients. Number three, they're dramatically um, under-representing uh, minorities, ethnicities, genders. And what we do is that we sometimes translate, extrapolate knowledge from specific biased subgroups of, uh, of, uh, of patients to all ethnicities, uh, different genders, and uh, different minorities. Exactly. And that's not fair. And that's not correct. Um, we have noticed also that about 30% of trials in medicine in general, cardiology necessarily, they either don't come into fruition at all or they're delayed dramatically. And that's again because of the enrollment issue and because of, this, of the expenses. So we've noticed that clinical trials have these major limitations. And we feel that we need to come up with smarter ways to, to create clinical trials which are meaningful, cost and time effective. So what we propose here, and that's something that is an initiative right now at the NIH and FDA level, is to use the virtual clinical trial approach to facilitate clinical trials. So what is a virtual clinical trial? We don't take actual patients into the study, but we take patient anatomies when it comes to, to, to particularly to, to coronary artery disease. More digital twins. Exactly. And this way you can be more representative of uh, more diverse because it's easier to bring in like uh, half a million or more than that anatomies from uh, India, from Asia, from Europe, from, from, from Americas, including different uh, ethnicities, different uh, minorities versus running an actual clinical trial. So in this more diverse patient anatomy population, we can run computational simulations and use AI to dig into this big data created by, by simulations. And we can extract meaningful signal about when you compare two stents, for example, what is best. And then this can be, this knowledge can guide us towards a more specific, more targeted actual clinical trial with actual patients and actual outcomes. But we expect from this clinical trial to have something more meaningful because we have already the signal of the visual clinical trial. Plus, the power of the clinical trial will be way, way uh, uh, better than running a trial without the facilitation of the visual trial. And this way, as I said, we can have more meaningful results. Um, we can eliminate the factor of, you know, delayed, very expensive clinical trials and advanced knowledge. And that's something that is going to change the landscape, in my humble opinion, of how we practice medicine nowadays. So it really enhances uh, the predictive value. Exactly. And it can really allow you to fine-tune the sample size. Exactly. And so that, that, that's fantastic. And I imagine that will help to accelerate um, approval of devices with my uh, FDA. Absolutely. Absolutely. Because, you know, you run a clinical trial, which is already guided by a visual clinical trial, and you have already got the signal from the visual trial to, to help you to run a more meaningful clinical trial. Nano, you're using all this great technology to advance cardiovascular care. Um, where do we balance all of these important considerations with the ethical considerations? Is, is there any issue there? Because you know, I, I'm, 
on the surface, it would appear that using this digital twin concept should protect us uh, from these uh, ethical considerations. But, but I'd love to hear your thought about it. Yeah, that's a, that's a very good uh, point. Uh, there's no holy grail, obviously, with digital twins and AI and simulations are tools in our uh, uh, armamentarium to help us do a better job. But we need to be able to use philosophy, to use uh, wisdom, to, to use them um, um, for, for the good of the humanity. And uh, here comes, here, uh, comes the, you know, the limitations that these technologies have, limitations related to, to finances. For example, they were very expensive, and uh, this is an issue. Um, limitations related to, to technical issues. For example, um, you know, they're not widely available. Uh, that's something that we need to work on. Um, they're not real time because, as I said, all these technologies should be ideally be applied in real time at the point of care versus taking the patients off the table and, 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 and waiting for analysis to happen. Uh, and of course, there are ethical limitations, as you said, which is, uh, if I can just phrase it in a very simple way, complication happens in a simulation guided procedure. Whose fault is that? Simulations or doctors or both? And, and who is liable for this? So we need to do a better job to, to make these technologies uh, real-time, more widely available, more affordable, and of course, uh, identify the, the ethical um, you know, limitations and issues. But this, should not, this, this limitation should not dissuade us from, from investing further because this is the future and we should not close our eyes to the future. And that's a great segue into our last um, topic and the remaining few minutes. And um, you created the Center for Digital Cardiovascular Innovations. How does that fit in? And, and, and what do you hope to accomplish in that at the University of Miami? Yeah, absolutely. We were very, very happy. We we're ex very, very excited with this. And again, this is in line with all this uh, passion and excitement mentality that we have. Um, we live in a very, as I said, very fresh, very exciting uh, society here in the, in the ecosystem of the University of Miami. And I think that's the, the, the perfect suite here to, to, to establish this center. It's a very fresh um, initiative. Um, it's, um, uh, its mission is essentially is to use 21st computational technologies to transform um, uh, cardiovascular uh, care with emphasis on device uh, research development and regulatory approval. And in that context, this uh, center, now there are like around 15 uh, researchers there and the group is expanding. Uh, There's a group of uh, engineers, experts in, uh, in computer science, in, uh, in AI, in, in visualization, uh, biologists, MDs. It's a very uh, versatile group of uh, researchers, all aligned uh, uh, along the, the common goal to promote this mission of the, of the center. And I believe this is a, a very unique opportunity. In this center is a very, very unique uh, venue for um, partnership, uh, for synergy of um, uh, philanthropy, um, device industry, uh, regulatory bodies like FDA, and of course, academia. So we're very, very excited. I think uh, uh, with hard work and systematic work, and we're ready for this, we will have uh, great uh, outcomes and great future as of the center. So we can anticipate some fascinating cardiovascular devices that are going to transform our approach to yeah, cardiovascular yeah. care. We, yeah, absolutely. We, we, we're partnering with industry and essentially uh, regulatory bodies, industry, academia, together, the United Forces, to advance the field 
run visual clinical trials, come up with faster, uh, you know, more meaningful, more time cost effective uh, knowledge, uh, help industry uh, to build devices which help our patients have live longer and live better. So, from the competitive young man growing up in uh, yeah. northern Greece in Thessaloniki and uh, uh, loving math and uh, philosophy, yeah. should have been Aristotle, but that notwithstanding, yeah. you hear um, a presentation by Dr. Christian Bernard, and that changes your life. And then now you wake up your pioneer in the field of interventional cardiology, creating new devices, new approaches. How does that make you feel? Uh, how did you ever, did you ever dream of something like that? And what's the message um, for other dreamers out there? Yeah, uh, I think that you 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 put it uh, very very nicely, and it it uh, it reflects the truth. Um, I, I believe that uh, all my life uh, I was driven by the you know a few principles. First of all, set very high goals, and that's my advice to 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 our audience uh, and to to whoever is, is listening or seeing this today. So uh, aim high, set high goals. Um, number two, uh, never back down. I, you know, I think that uh, we should just keep going and, uh, and, and fight against challenges, against difficulties. At the end, we will prevail. And, and of course, um, seek for new knowledge. Be open, open your horizons and be open to, to learning, to new things. Don't restrict yourself. So don't back down, um, work hard, aim high and be open to no, new knowledge. And predictions for the future? The prediction for the future is that uh, we, we will uh, live in uh, the fifth revolution of AI. Um, medicine will, be, uh, ha will have a, an extremely high benefit from uh, AI and all these digital technologies. Um, the future is that we will have tools for better planning of our procedures, better uh, decision making at the point of care, better um, education for our learners with these tools we can have them learn as we say greater faster better these are three keywords and of obviously we can have these tools to help us accelerate our research whether it's device or drug and um, give to the humanity um, um, therapies um, and diagnostic tools and prevention approaches that will help them live uh, as I say um, better life and longer life. That's fantastic. And clearly, the Center for Digital Innovations and Cardiovascular yeah. Medicine that you've established has gone through a pivotal role in that process. And we are so fortunate to have yeah. you here thank you. leading the charge thank in you. the division of cardiology. So, so thank you so very much for this fascinating discussion. And this has been our episode of Inside Your Miami Medicine with the fabulous Yanis Azizis. Uh, and uh, we look forward to more from him, and hopefully we can welcome you back and with the next in, after the next invention. Absolutely, thank you, Dean Ford. Uh, it was a, a marvelous discussion today, and I'm very humbled for being here today. Thank you so much. Thank you very much.